movies by minutes. Project number five. It's Silverado this time. That's no jive. By Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote the show. Best settled up now, kids, because here we go. episode of the Silverado Minute podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1985 Lawrence Kasdan-directed Western Silverado, one minute of screen time per episode. My name is Todd from the Forgotten Film Cast. And I'm Rob from the Movie Rob Minute, which was formerly known as the Great Escape Minute. And today we are looking at Minute 74 of Silverado. This sequence uh, pretty much begins and ends in the same uh, moment, so to speak, where you know it, we're basically continuing the stare down between Jake and Tyree that we started in the uh, the last episode, uh, the last minute, and it pretty much continues through our whole minute here. But there's there's a lot of uh, kind of uh, uh, sparring, a, a lot of kind of. Uh, these two characters digging into each other as we go through this this moment here, um, which, which we know there's there's a lot of history between the two of them, but we don't know that much about it besides that whole story about the dog that they talk about. Right, right, yeah. I mean, and you know that's something that you see a lot in westerns where there's always this this hint of of past. Uh, you know, incidents, past discretions between various characters. And, you know, we don't always get the full story of it, but that's, I think that's part of what makes Westerns fun is when you have that mystery about, oh, what what did this character do to wrong this character? You know, and what why do they hate each other so much? You know, and, and that's that's kind of part of the Western tradition, I think, that Kasdan preserves here in this more modern take on the genre. Well, modern yeah, I mean, he, he has the whole, <laughs> right. I mean, the whole, the whole connection between Cobb and Payton is also very, very unexplained. <laughs> you know, they, mm-hmm. they make it seem as if they were at some point criminals, but we're not really sure. And we're not sure what they did. Uh, you know, were they bank robbers? Were they uh, rustlers? I don't know. Yeah. Now this, this scene this moment, this minute, I should say, begins with what, for my money, is one of the best lines of the whole movie. <laughs> I was, I was kind of happy that we got this one uh, here, you know, because I, I love this line. Shut where, up. What? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up is the well, first line. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned on the previous one kind of what's leaning into this. We have the character Phoebe, who we have to talk about a, a little bit here in a moment. But, um, you know, she she's telling Tyree to lay off, you know, this is, this is my job type of a thing. And then, uh, you know, as we start this moment, we have Kevin Costner's Jake giving a, a, a great line where he says, I don't believe a lady has to explain anything to a man this ugly. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is Definitely a, great line. A, a wonderful line. Uh, but also it, it made me think about how, and you see this a lot in just Westerns in general, how they they do kind of, let's say, present, well, definitely a glamorous view of this actual stage in U.S. history. I mean, when you look at Kevin Costner delivering that line, saying about, you know, uh, um, Jeff Fahey's character being ugly, okay, Kevin Costner, we, we said it before, is so baby-faced in this. He's all, you know, 
his hair is well done and he's clean shaven and there's not a speck of dirt on the guy. And I'm thinking this does not look at all like how someone would in the actual old West. This, you know, that was a dirty, grimy place. And, you know, Kevin Costner looks, you know, like someone who keeps spending time in jail. Yeah. I mean, he looks, he looks, he looks very well kept uh, in this scene. So I thought it was kind of funny to have him making this comment about another character being so ugly. And I'm thinking, how in in real life, uh, you you would be looking a lot more uglier yourself, there, Mr. Costner. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you on that. I mean, th- there's no way that the, I mean Jeff Faye's character definitely looks nice and grimy here. He's someone who you know probably does take a bath once a week or whatever it is, if that, <laughs> because of, because of the money in the old West got that way. He does look grimier, but I, again, on the grand scale of things, I don't think he looks as grimy as maybe he should i mean I, I think there's there's probably several ladies in the the audience that would uh you know think that that both uh, mr coster and mr fahey are are you know somewhat desirable looking i i i would agree with that i think i think fahey though when i look at him in this film i think um He's he's one of the elements of the movie that reminds me that this was made in the '80s because I think he looks pretty '80s, just kind of his his hairstyle and the the uh, the kind of uh, the facial hair, the way that that's done, and the eye shadow. What's with the eye shadow on Jeff Fahey? It looks like he's in The Cure or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he's got that scar on his face also. Yeah. Yeah, Faye is, I don't know, he's one of those actors that, I, I, I mean, you definitely kind of think of him as being a, a, you know, a questionable character when he shows up in movies. He's just one of those guys that tended to play those kind of slimy characters. You know what I mean? You're completely right about Jeff Fahey being that type of character in most movies that, that you find him in, but I loved him in Lost. I think he was great there because his character is so very different. Even you had him as Frank uh, Lapidus you know, he was the pilot. Oh yeah. I, I only got about two thirds away through lost. I really need to go back to it. You know, I know that some people got frustrated with it as it went on, but I, I'm, I usually, if I start something, I like to finish it. Yeah, but no, I when it was on, I watched lost it. Ooh, he was, he was, he was on 34 episodes. He was on for, for like, yeah, oh. you know, yeah. He, he was he was great in that ensemble cast. No question about that. So so for me mm-hmm. to think of his character yeah. from from Lost and think of him here, he looks completely different and acts completely different also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, you were saying that he often plays kind of slimy characters, and I was looking over his filmography, and he plays another character in a western, in a Casden western that is often portrayed as being quite a slime ball. Um, he plays Ike Clanton with in Wyatt Earp. Yeah. Which, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's been a long time since I've watched Kasdan's take on it. I've watched Tombstone a lot more, and Stephen Lang plays Ike Clanton in Tombstone, and he really plays it as a dirtbag. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, Ike Clanton is one of those characters from history that you know, most of the time when he shows up in movies and such, he's he's not portrayed as being a terribly I, I good actually character. I prefer Wider to, to Tombstone. 
Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, I mean, Tombstone is just so uh, off the rails, I think is, is part of its charm for me. I, I, I enjoy that one a lot. <laughs> so. But anyway, so yeah, but Jeff Fahey, I mean, I, he's, I, I think he's quite good in this film. I think he makes for a good slimy henchman type character because he's definitely not the primary villain, but he's that good kind of side villain. Yeah, especially based on what happens to him later on. You know, when we're not going to give away too many spoilers, but when, when, you know, he, he doesn't have a grand finale like some of the other characters do. You know, he, he, he goes a little bit too quickly, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, uh, we, we should probably take a few steps back to and then talk about Phoebe in here. We kind of hinted this yes. that last we episode. We teased it. We teased it. So people that, will come back uh, and listen today. You know, we, right. Because they didn't mention her name in the previous minute, but now they mention her name. So we know this is Phoebe. Um, but uh, again, another person that... Uh, is going to be recognized by, by fans of, of eighties movies. Uh, so uh, Phoebe is played yes. by Amanda Wiss and which, uh, where, where, where do you think of Amanda Wiss from here, Rob? Oh, my first thought was from better off dead. Absolutely. She plays Beth in better off dead. Yes. One of my favorite eighties teen movies. She's the girl that dumps John Cusack that sends him spiraling into depression and all Suicide. that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, oh, I love that movie so much. Better but that's dead. that's not the only '80s movie that she's in. No, it, what's well, what's funny is when you look at her when you look at her filmography, you, you see that she has like these four prominent or three prominent roles in movies in the '80s that 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 people like us will remember her from, and everything else after that is, for lack of a better word, sorry, uh, Amanda, but junk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the other iconic moments, of course, uh, like like a number of other young up and coming teen actors in the 80s. She was in a Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Um, yes. Which I I I admit I could forget about. Uh, you know, I can uh -oh. I can rattle off a lot of the other people in that movie. But uh, I got to admit, it's always kind of, oh, yeah, she is in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, isn't she? Um but then I think, do you remember what she the played? The character's name is Lisa. Uh, I know that, uh, but I'm trying to remember how she factors into things. Okay, well she she was she worked in the fast food restaurant with uh, Judge Reinhold. Okay, all right. Yeah, they've all got their different jobs so, yeah, at the mall and such. Judge Reinhold works at the burger yes. place. I'm trying to remember what it's called, All American Burger, something like that. And Phoebe Cates and Jennifer Jason Lee work at some other restaurant. And Rat works at the movie theater, which that would have been the job that I would have had right. probably, but I never got to work at the movie theater. <laughs> Me too. Uh, so. Me too. <laughs> but then, of course, the other big one, she's in A Nightmare on Elm Street, um, which I know yes. you're not a horror guy, but yeah, she... I'm not a horror guy, but but I remembered that she was in that movie, and I remembered who her character was, and I I did a little bit of research about that. You know, so even though I'm not a horror guy, if you want to talk about oh, it, no, go ahead go, first. No, and go then, for then, it. Then I'll, I'll fill in the go. blanks afterwards. All right. So, first of all, 
the, the trivia is that before appearing in Nightmare on Elm Street, she had never even seen a horror movie in her life. Okay. Her character's name, Tina, is mentioned 39 times through the course of the movie, even though she is actually the first character to die. Right. She is the first character for Freddy mm-hmm. to kill. Okay. They claim that her character is very much like Janet Lee's role of Marion Crane in Psycho, because at the beginning, everyone right. thinks that she yeah. is the main character in the movie until she dies pretty, pretty quickly or relatively quickly in, in the movie. The other people that were up for the role of Tina were Jodie Benson. You know who that is, right? The Little Mermaid. <laughs> the Little Mermaid. Robin Wright and Laura Dern. They all auditioned for that role and didn't get it. Her death was ranked number four on WatchMojo.com's list of top ten Freddy Krueger kills. Mm-hmm. So she's she's pretty high up there. Apparently she has, there's deleted scenes where she has an older uh, older sibling who was also killed. Apparently that, that was on, left on the cutting room floor and obviously isn't part of Nightmare on Elm Street canon, as they say. So when she's killed by Freddy, she actually levitates and then she's dragged across the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty iconic. So she And, and she got vertigo from that, mm. from filming those scenes because she was in a rotating room that when they were filming it. So yeah, those are pretty cool things to, to but I'll still always remember her as Beth, the girl who basically left John Cusack. Yeah. Which we never understand why. Yeah. She, um, you know, the... or we never understand why she went out with him in the first place. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I think that's, that's part of it. The, uh... on, well, who doesn't want to go out with Lane Meyer? <laughs> Lane Meyer, a man on a mission. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Howard Costell. With a, with a nightmare on Elm Street, um, one of the things I read is I guess that pretty much with all the the actresses that auditioned, they read for the role of Nancy, uh, which Heather Langenkamp played and is kind of the main uh, quote unquote final girl. Um, so she read for Nancy, but then she ended up uh, getting Tina. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street is a movie that we always speak about in kind of a legendary type way in uh, the place where I grew up. Um, I grew up in the Chicago suburbs. Wait, you were, you grew up in Crystal Crystal Lake? No, there. Oh, no. Wait, no, sorry. Crystal Lake is. Sorry, Crystal Lake is Friday the Thirteenth. You see, there I go and show show my ignorance of, of. And see, of there is a Crystal movies. Lake in <laughs> Illinois, uh, not far from actually where my wife grew up. Your wife grew up in Woodstock. I know that. <laughs> She grew up in Woodstock, which is, yeah, where they filmed Groundhog Day, and Crystal Lake is not far from there. And planes, trains, and automobiles. Correct. Um, but I grew up in um, in the Chicago suburbs in a town called Wheaton, and Wheaton is known for, um, there is a Wheaton. large Christian college there called Wheaton College, and that's where Billy Graham went to college. It's also where one Wes Craven went to college. And, hmm. um, and the, What's the uh, connection between... Wes Craven and Billy, and Billy Graham. Graham. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And um, and there there is actually an Elm Street in Wheaton. It it actually is is a fairly fairly long residential street there. So we used to always joke that uh, that you know that's where where Mr. Craven got the inspiration for a Nightmare on Elm Street. It might be. I don't know if it really is or not. Uh, but we used to say that. So. Oh wow. Okay. Cool. So. Anyways, so yes, Amanda Wiss, good to see her uh, in this film, of course. Um, so 
but now is is she meant to be like a prostitute because she says this is my job? That's what she's, I she's assume. Kissing him. Uh, but then why would Tyree well, be, and see that... be upset? He should know that. <laughs> well, he I, he's upset probably not so much because she's doing her job, but because of who she's doing her job with. Because as we've established, there is some some you know bad blood between him and and Jake. So you know. He's okay with it with some people. Like if she was hanging out with Jeff Goldblum, maybe it would be okay. But, you like. know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, and, and, you know, actually we have here in, in just a moment. So like he, he tells, um, or no, I'm getting mixed up who says what, but, oh, Kevin Klein, I think tells Phoebe to, to leave. And and but Jeff Fahey then no, shoves her. Stella, it's Stella who says. Oh, it. Stella says it. Stella says it. Okay, Stella tells her to leave. Jeff Fahey, Tyree shoves her, and and Payton Kevin Klein takes the opportunity to reach and grab Tyree's gun out of his holster. Which again, cool moment. I'm like, that's that's cool. You know? Yeah, I I love the way that, that Kevin Klein tries to that Payton plays the peacekeeper here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know he's 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 not a peacekeeper in this town. The the peacekeepers are you know Cobb and his men, and including Tyree, and Payton still takes it upon himself to try to to keep things calm, and you know quickly grabs grabs the gun. Yeah, and yeah. doesn't do it in a threatening way, but he does it just to try to quiet things down. And you can tell he's like holding back. You know, you get the impression that he's like really having to you know, rein himself in to, to not kind of give in to his tendency, which would maybe just to be to go ahead and, and, and blast Tyree, you know, he's really kind of trying to, to keep things, uh, you know, a bit calmer. And there's actually a lot of other things that are going on in this sequence too, because, you know, as you know, we've got a shot of Coster and we see like the two deputies kind of sneak in behind him uh, you know, and, and so there's a lot of layers to what's going on here as like the tension is rising. We've got, you know, Tyree doing his thing. Kevin Klein grabs the gun. We've got the two deputies behind Kevin Costner. So there's, there's a lot of the, the building blocks of a difficult situation here, which, uh, which, you know, Payton is, is, you know, trying to, to get control over. Yeah. No question about that. I mean, there's, 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 it is a room thick with tension. Yeah. Yeah. And I love I love when um, well, you know, you have a few lines here with um, with Jake. He says, you know, all I did was kiss the girl, which <laughs> made me think of what it made me think of one of the actresses you mentioned a moment ago. You mentioned Jody Benson. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yes. oh, yeah, the little mermaid kiss the girl. You know, is there a little crab over, you know, standing on the bar going, hey, kiss the girl. <laughs> <laughs> It's all connected, folks. The Disney universe. Yes, no. This isn't Disney. This is Columbia. It's not the same universe. <laughs> Lawrence Kasdan, Star Wars. Okay, connected. it's connected. It's all connected. <laughs> Movies, they're all connected. In the re-edited uh, history, it it now is, is yeah. all connected. We're in the multiverse. There you go. There you go. And, you know, then, of course, Jake says, uh, says, you're afraid I couldn't get those two behind me, which, again, 
kind of goes into what we were talking about with one of our previous minutes, how, you know, during the party shootout and that, that Jake was aware of everything around him. He knew like when the guy was behind him and he turns and blasts that guy real quick. And again, you know, like Jake hasn't turned around and looked or anything. He just knows that two guys have come up behind him and are reaching for their guns. It's so cool. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's great because you make it, they make it seem as if, if Jake has eyes in the yeah. back of his head. You know, he's, he's Jake, Jake acts throughout this entire movie in a very uh, childish and immature way in, in most mm -hmm. situations that he gets into, but you see that he's still very, very intelligent and smart and is always yes. aware of his yes. surroundings. And then now you, you mentioned the fact yeah. that Tyree push pushes her and the way that he pushes her is, is very forceful also, but in the original script, he doesn't push her. He actually just grabs her, her arm and pulls her towards him. So I, I think that's pretty interesting that they changed that because it would just be, it would have been just as effective if he had well, just grabbed he pushes, her he, he pushes her in like the shoulder, I think. Right. And she kind of, he pushes her like from uh, like yeah, the top of right, her chest. Right. And she falls back area. into the bar, which is, you know, pretty dramatic there. I think that has, yeah a bit more impact. Yeah. And then of course, uh, Jake, you know, he, he, he recognizes there's two guys behind him and, uh, and then he, uh, he gra grabs his hat, turns and, and points at the two deputies and, and very subtly says, boom, before he starts to walk out backwards, which again, kind of goes into what you were saying there, how he's, you know, he comes across as, being a somewhat immature character at times, but at the right moments, you, it's clear he's he's very aware and thinking things through. He doesn't turn around, you know. He 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 backs away from from these guys as he's heading out. You know. Yeah, but his his boom would be dangerous <laughs> to do because you know if he startles somebody, they could actually it's a subtle just boom. open fire. It's not it. like a big. It's not like yeah. boom. It's yes. Boom. Yeah. Right. But I also like the way that he he doesn't even look and takes his hat. You know, he just reaches over and pulls his hat off the off the bar. I actually had to go back to see where that hat was before him because you just see him reach it. You don't even know where he's taking the hat from. But if you look earlier in the minute, you see his hat. It's like you said, he's got bar. eyes in the back of his head. You know, he doesn't have to look over at the hat. He just reaches for the hat, and the hat is there. Yeah. Apparently, we we did mention that we we get a quick shot earlier in this minute. Uh, at the the poker table, yes, where we get to see you know the card players all all taking in what's going on. So we get to see Slick there, and we see Ray standing by him. And there's also what looks like a female gambler at the table. I wasn't able to to figure out who the actor who the actress is mm. that that plays her, but I just found it interesting that in a saloon like this, at that time, that they would have you know that they would allow female to, no. to play yeah. poker with them. I admit, I didn't spot that when I was watching it. It looks like it's a female. Maybe maybe it's just a, a character who, who who looks that way. I don't know. All right. Well, we, we got we got anything else, or should That's I be I backing away minute. slowly and say boom here at this point? Boom. Boom. <laughs> of course, you can find the Silverado podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, or at the main site, which is silveradominute.com. 
And then, of course, be sure to seek out the uh, various places you can find this podcast on social media. There is the Midnight Star, the Silverado Minute Listener's Saloon, which is on Facebook. And then on Twitter, you can be finding us over at, at Silverado MXM. And uh, we will be back tomorrow to close things out with our final minute where we get some gold bloom. Get some gold bloom next time. So until then, uh, my name is Todd. And I'm Rob. And uh, we'll sign off with a big old yeehaw! Yeehaw! Movies by Minutes, project number five. It's Silverado this time. That's no jive. By Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote the show. Best settled up now, kids, cause here we go.